Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshaw.net. Live poetry reading. Exemptions from the study of Irish. Once upon a time, there was a time where schools didn't have to do the jobs of other agencies. For example, if a child wasn't attending school, that was the job of the educational welfare officer who would contact parents after 20 days of absence and make sure they went back to school. These days, it's up to schools to put in interventions. Back in the day, if you needed an SNA, a psychologist would say the child needs an SNA, a school would apply for said SNA and most of the time you would have got one. These days, that doesn't happen either. And back in the day, if you needed an exemption from the study of Irish, a psychologist who would be qualified to say whether you would be qualified to do so or not, uh, would also do that job. Now it's schools again. Welcome to my live poetry reading of Exemptions from the Study of Irish Guidelines for Primary Schools, English Medium, August 22. Hello, hello, this is Simon Lewis from Onshaw.net with If I Were the Minister for Education, a weekly podcast where I look at something in the world of primary education and I say what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. Um, this week uh, we are doing what I call a live poetry reading uh, but for those of you who are new don't worry there's no poetry it is a Department of Education circular and basically what I do is I read uh, a, a document of importance and give my thoughts while I read it live. Uh, this helps me to understand the circular myself often but sometimes uh, hopefully that it will help you too. Um, so without further ado let's get into it and let's see what this document is. It can be found on the Department of Education's website. If you Google exemptions from the study of Irish, you'll find the document and it is uh, an online document. And it is about 24 pages. But don't worry, I won't be reading all 24, especially because a lot of it is guff. Um, it actually starts on page four, uh, so we're already cutting out a few pages with an introduction to say what the purpose of it is. And basically it came um, as after a review of a very recent circular, which was uh, number 52, 2019, where the exemption from Irish was passed on from being a, a psychologist's job to being the job of a principal to decide whether a child would be exempt from the study of Irish. And it was fairly rudimentary um, and it was done under a few grounds, but the, I suppose the most common one that most children uh, would have to go through was uh, if they were struggling in literacy. And uh, all that would have to happen is they would have to score beneath the 10th percentile in any reading or spelling test and they would qualify uh, for an exemption. It didn't please a lot of people for lots of different reasons. The Gwailgori were really, really annoyed about it because they felt it was too easy for anyone to get an exemption from the study of Irish and they would say and argue and they still do that the study of Irish is no more difficult than the study of any other language and when they hear of children being exempt from Irish in primary school then go on to study French or German or Spanish or whatever they find that quite um, 
I suppose they find it uh, very annoying um, and I can see their point. Uh, other people that weren't happy were um, children who had, I suppose, issues that weren't related to literacy but uh, would have also had difficulty in learning from Irish, whether it's to do with anxiety uh, or some other psychological need uh, or behavioural need, that when they hear an Irish word, they cannot tolerate it. But there was no uh, nothing in the circular that would uh, help them. So with that in mind, uh, this new circular has come in. And I suppose uh, I've uh, sort of summarised that first uh, document. It goes through what's going to be in the document as well. And um, it talks about the principles that are underpinning the uh, circular which I imagine won't be very interesting. Uh, talks about them being fundamental subjects. The inclusion of both subjects is very important. Lifelong learning skills. The primary language curriculum they go on about. Talking about junior cycle, how it builds upon it and so on. It doesn't really say very much. Um, it does say the teaching of Irish and English in our primary schools means that our children become familiar with bilingualism from an early age. And they footnote that with, I'm sure, some research. Um, yes, there is some study out there that being bilingual is a very good thing. Um, schools also include new Irish who bring with them their own languages from almost 200 countries around the world. I haven't heard the term new Irish for quite some time. It doesn't feel right uh, anymore. Maybe at the time, um, I suppose. Uh, anyway, we will let that go because I could go on about that for a while. Let's uh, keep going. Um, learning two languages develops pupils' linguistic functioning through the development of a deeper understanding of how language works and can be used to communicate. It enhances their ability to analyse how language works, to compare languages and to reflect how they learn languages in addition to advantages in other curricular areas. So we're talking about how great Irish is. Isn't it wonderful? Irish is brilliant. Um, and then they go on about how it's in the primary language curriculum. And then they finally get to the point of why is it considered necessary to allow pupils in certain circumstances be exempt from the study of Irish? So it says... Uh, the PLC, that's the primary language curriculum to you and me, provides flexibility in addressing pupils' individual language learning needs and a range of supports is accessible to... This is such nonsense. Blah, 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 blah. It's actually blah, blah, blah. Really, I can't believe it. They're not actually saying... <laughs> this is funny. They're not actually saying that... Um, that uh, basically uh, the, the study of Irish is hard for children uh, with learning difficulties or whatever it might be. Uh, it's, 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 it's kind of like, do you know that Japanese no concept where you're saying no, but you're not saying no? So they're basically saying that Irish, is uh, Irish isn't really that important for some children without actually saying that, I think. Um, it's really hard because it's such nonsense language. But basically what it's saying is it's acknowledged that despite the flexibility afforded in the primary language curriculum, so it's all teachers' faults here, the range of supports and access to targeted intervention over time, there may be exceptional circumstances in which a child continues to struggle to make adequate process in acquiring the language of instruction of the school, English as language one. So um, there you go. Um, it says, exempting a pupil from the study of Irish should be considered in the context of the department's continuum of support framework. Um, again, this is uh, to do with uh, uh, classroom support plans, school support plans and school support plus plans. Um, I wonder if they'll ever change that name, school support plus plans, which actually the plus is supposed to involve external agencies. And if you can get an external agency to do anything with the child, you're doing very, very well. Uh, but anyway, that's here nor there. But uh, they say the guidelines aim to support schools by addressing a wide diversity of people's learning needs differentiated learning curriculum. So let's see what it does in terms of all these things. None of them actually happen. I think what you're probably all waiting for is um, how can we exempt a child from Irish? But I'm going to make you wait. Um, 
you have this section then, preserving a pupil's right to study Irish. So they say, so, okay, so they, they're really trying to talk people out of it, which is fair enough, I, uh, you know, I can understand that. An exemption from the study of Irish once granted may be operative throughout the pupils or students enrolment in primary and post-primary school. In line with department policy, schools are expected and encouraged to provide all pupils to the greatest extent possible and in a meaningful way with opportunities to participate in Irish language and cultural activities at a level appropriate to their learning needs. Section 2.3 of the circulars on exemptions further state that parents and guardians and pupils should be informed of the option not to exercise the exemption granted without any loss of the right to exercise it at a future time. So you can get it, but you don't have to use it, is what they're saying. Which is really interesting. Because um, why would you want it if you're not going to use it? I actually can't think of any reason other than you think, you, I don't know, that you think that it's going to be taken away from you in the future. Um, or that it's harder to get it in secondary school, which I've heard um, is possibly the case, but I don't know. Anyway, what are the key considerations in applying the terms of circular? So the section outlines the elements from the 2019 um, and the revisions introduced this time. So they've kept, here's what they've kept, just for those of you who remember the last one. They have kept the consideration of language or of, of instruction in the schools. So this is only for English medium schools. So if you go to a Gwell school, you can't be exempt from Irish, which is fair, I suppose. Then there is the consideration of the most appropriate stage uh, of when to grant an exemption. So they've said uh, you have to be at least 12 um, or in your final year of primary education. So that's sixth class as the most appropriate time. So if, you, um, if you're in school and you don't have a learning difficulty, 12 is the only time there you could possibly do that. Or if you move to Ireland, they, uh, for example, um, you uh, would not be exempt until you are 12. Um, so uh, that is if you've been receiving your primary education outside the state or you're re-enrolling after a period abroad. So that's interesting as well. And um, moving away from a diagnosis towards the identification of what your pupils are needs. So this is uh, this absolute um, gaslighting uh, of uh, parents and children and teachers and everyone else that despite the fact that um, they basically they're not funding psychologists they're not funding uh, people that will help children so what they're going to do is they're going to basically tell schools to effectively make these decisions these on their professional judgment as to whether a, a child should receive some sort of support it's a way they they've done it for SNAs they've done it for uh, uh, like learning supports uh, to basically a principal essentially has to decide where their highest priority of need in other words even if the, even if we have lots and lots of needs uh, you can't give everybody what they need the principal has to decide what the most needy is and you know what if you have needs uh, that aren't as needy as other people you get nothing instead of everyone getting what they need like you would in a civilized society so in this case for the Irish exemptions because a psychologist used to have to do this well psychologists are too busy doing other things well a principal is going to make these decisions and that's really dangerous and I'm going to come back to that very point and um, psychological assessment and cognitive ability scores are no longer necessary and I've just spoken about that and literacy attainment scores as well that they're still keeping them uh, for either word reading reading comprehension or spelling at, at or below the 10th percentile will qualify you for your exemption uh, which is interesting the key changes and this is going to be interesting for people because there's five of them here uh, we're on page seven now at this stage if you're following along this lovely poetry reading 
uh, the criteria and circumstances of pupils moving from a different country without previous experience of learning the Irish language has now been clarified. I didn't know it wasn't clear, uh, but now it is. There's a new circumstances recognising that some pupils experience a high level of multiple and persistent needs. Um, so we uh, we need to figure out what that is. Multiple persistent needs recognise that pupils may experience significant difficulties outside of or in addition to those related to literacy and that impact on their learning and participation at school. Multiple and persistent needs are those that are enduring and severe in nature that significantly impact on the pupils functioning at a school on a day-to-day basis and are a cause of significant distress to the people in the school environment despite the implementation of highly individualised intensive evidence-based. So they're basically saying, and this is the one really, this is the big one, and we will talk about this when we get to it because uh, it is one of the uh, new changes to this circular. And I want to talk about the the, the pitfalls of this really um, as well as the opportunities I guess and how we get around them and what we're going to do especially if you're a school leader or a teacher that may be considering it. We also have if a pupil has a recommendation and has been deemed eligible for a place in a recognised special school or special class they are now exempt. Uh, that wasn't absolutely clear before um, and again very unclear as well because if you're in a class of six students and four of them have this exemption or want the exemption and two don't you know, you are going to have to give Irish to the two children, which means that, that the other four children are going to experience Irish in the classroom because Irish, like most subjects in the curriculum, permeates throughout the school day. It isn't just religion, folks, that permeates throughout the school day. Everything permeates throughout the school day, um, and uh, including the Irish language. Um, they have a revision to the appeals mechanism. I don't know anyone who appeals this ever. Um, I don't know any school who refused it ever. It would be very interesting to find out how many uh, people apply, uh, appealed using the exemptions. But we'll find out about that. And there are other changes to clarify provisions, including the changes of headings, uh, which we'll see. There used to be um, different headings. I don't think that's very important. I don't even know why they put it there. So let's go through the process. I suppose this is where you would like to be um, uh, if you're listening to this. The first 14 minutes of this podcast have probably been a bit of a waste of your time. But here we go. We're going to get to the meat of this. So here are the grounds that you can make an exemption from the study of Irish. There's a few of them. And here they are. So number 2.2.1 is a pupil moving from a different country without previous experience of learning the Irish language, which basically is every other country in the world, I imagine, maybe apart from Northern Ireland, if you consider that another country. And if you were learning the Irish language in that country, you probably don't consider it another country. But there's me getting all political. Uh, Anyway, uh, an exemption from the study of Irish may be granted to a pupil whose education was received outside the state for a minimum period of three consecutive years, where he or she did not have the uh, opportunity to engage in the study of Irish. Imagine not having the opportunity. And, and... So A, they're not less than 12 years of age on the day of their enrolment or re-enrollment. So if you're back and you are 12, you are okay to not do Irish. Or if you're enrolling following the completion of a full course of primary education recognised by another state. So that's really for post-primary people, really. I don't even know why it's in this circular. Uh, Maybe it's for special schools, I suppose, maybe, uh, because they obviously have um, students. When we talk about primary schools, we also include special schools in these circulars. So basically, if you're 12 uh, and you move to Ireland or you come back to Ireland after three years away, you you are entitled to an exemption. That's fairly straightforward. I don't think there's any questions to be asked there. So let's move on to the next one, 
which is 2.2.2. And it's a pupil who experienced significant literacy difficulties, which are an obstacle to their learning across the curriculum. They may be granted if, one, they have at least reached second class. They need to be in second class. So junior infants to first class, you can't get an exemption. And there's three criteria. You present with significant literacy difficulties that are persistent despite having a differentiated approach to language and literacy learning in all subjects across the curriculum over time. We need documentary evidence to this effect held by the school, which would include student support plans. It doesn't say what student support plans here, I have to say. I would suggest it would at least be school support plans, maybe school support plus, but I imagine just the second will do, given that we don't get to use external agencies in school very often. So, uh, but they didn't say that, but I would, I my guess is it would need to be at that point. A classroom support plan probably isn't enough. So these are the three bits. Regular reviews of learning needs as an ongoing assessment. We always do that. Target setting, we always do that. Evidence-informed intervention and review, including test scores. So that's the word reading, reading comprehension, spelling. So you're basically your micro T's really a lot of the time or any of the rats or any of the rest of them at key points of review. So they have to have some evidence doesn't say how much time in this particular section which is interesting and um, so I would imagine if you're in second class uh, you suppose the needs would have been identified probably very early and uh, maybe even in infants and by second class you probably have a lot of paperwork uh, to show so the child might be going uh, receiving a lot of support uh, up until then so it should be fairly straightforward but there's a third thing you also have to score under the or at or below the 10th percentile in uh, one of those tests as I've said um, so that could be your micro T but usually a rat or something else like that as well W-R-A-T for those of you who haven't heard of it there are others of course uh, and each school needs to decide what they're doing there is no consistency particularly when it comes to the Department of Education anymore they are really uh, letting this uh, letting go of um, I suppose letting autonomy uh, go to ridiculous levels where things can go very wrong um, I was having a conversation today about Drihid and someone mentioned ah, Drihid is just the baseline of how you would do Drihid and I was thinking oh my gosh you're, he's you know whether I don't agree with him but he's, he was absolutely right because you know what we're going to end up now uh, like we did with ICT back in the day is three and a half thousand schools with totally different Drihid policies uh, on, on how they do uh, on basically how they do Drihid and it's going to lead to confusion and um, absolute chaos in terms of inducting teachers and I don't know Drihid is the gift that keeps giving in terms of how terrible it is and uh, that was just a layer I hadn't even thought of because schools will are being encouraged nearly to uh, do their own thing when it comes to it which is a disaster but in this case anyway um, you uh, can use your own word reading reading comprehension or spelling a standardized test I suppose there's a limited range of those and you have to score at or below the 10th percentile so three criteria there in fairness it's fairly straightforward and it's the same as it used to be more or less this is the one which you'll need to listen to very carefully. 2.2.3. It's a pupil who experiences a high level of multiple and persistent needs. And there's a link to that. And I'm not quite sure what that link goes to. So I'm going to click on it because hopefully it will tell me what that is. Um, and it says it will g it basically gives scenarios of what those uh, needs are, uh, which is kind of, I suppose, useful. It's in Appendix 2. Um, so you'll have to scroll all the way down. Um, and I, I mean, I'll tell you what it is. You got relevant background. This, this example is designed to guide consideration for anyone for 2.23. So these are the examples they give. Um, but 
Um, so basically, John is a 12-year-old boy, 6th class, mainstream primary school. Parents describe him as anxious since infancy, doesn't cope well with change. So John's parents and teachers noted these difficulties impacted on John's participation at school. John's parents reported concerns that John had become increasingly withdrawn and complains that school work is too hard. John's parents reported great difficulty getting John to come to school in the morning and the school also noted absence. When John was 10 years old, his parents noted about a deterioration in his willingness to attend school and engage with school and off he went to CAMS. <laughs> that must have been very lucky. John's teacher, sorry, CAMS is like, um, it's so hard to get any service in. I just don't know how they managed to get in. This is exemplar is obviously um, very idealistic. John's teachers recorded his needs in a sport file over time. Bright child, difficulties making friends and blah, 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 blah. Crying, hitting his head off the table uh, when it comes to language related uh, issues. Uh, did all the interventions. Uh, there was a review um, and so on. And it was agreed that he was overwhelmed by large number of language based subjects and therefore he was allowed to be exempt because that was enough evidence. Now, I don't know why Irish is the one they are, they are, they're saying uh, isn't needed, but that is the example they gave. Um, so ultimately, there's your example. So let's go through it. Um, so uh, let's get to, where is it here? 2.2.3, I've lost my place. Now there's a lot of ands here. So it's recognised that a small cohort of pupils uh, will have, who have high level multiple and persistent needs are, uh, that are a significant barrier to their participation and engagement in their learning and school life. In the case of these, consideration may be given. So what they need to do is they have to have re at least reached second class, same as before, second class, and they have to experience a high level of multiple and persistent needs. Now that example exemplar did not give a list of multiple and uh, needs. But uh, in fairness, it was uh, fairly, you know, fairly useful, um, you know, to give you some ideas, uh, but not enough. And this gives us our first problem. What does multiple and persistent, per persistent needs mean? Is it a child uh, crying every time Irish comes, uh, is, is taught? Is it uh, behavioural? Is it uh, psychological? Is it psychiatric? Is it an anxiety? What is a persistent need? And I think that's going to dip differ depending on the school. And that is a very dangerous place to be, if, if you ask me. You could have someone uh, who might be like me, who would read it in a, in, in a particular way. And you could have someone else uh, who's not like me to read it in a totally different way. So to give an example, if I see a child has been really anxious and, uh, and cries when Irish or gets angry and Irish happens um, and, and happens over time and we put all the things in place uh, and all the rest and it still doesn't work, then I suppose I would be uh, verging on this would be a genuine case. Um, however, um, someone else might go, Bleh! Sure, he has to learn Irish. That's not good enough, you know. So it depends who you are. And I don't know, it really depends a lot on the principal, I would say. And if you've got a principal who loves the Irish language in one of those unhealthy ways, uh, where he believes also that everyone should love the Irish language, even if they don't, uh, then you're going to get very, 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 uh, not very far when it comes to defining multiple and persistent needs. It's a very, very vague statement. So that's our first problem variable, I would say. 
But I mean, it's going to be up to every school to identify what that is and how they're going to put it across to parents when they apply. So and so point three, the school has substantial written evidence that needs that these needs persist despite targeted and individualized student support plans. So very similar to uh, the last thing as well. I don't think we have a problem with that. The only with that problem there again is the word substantial. Again, what does substantial mean? How much time are we talking? Um, and so on. So we don't really know um, about that. And that's um, that's quite difficult. So we don't really know. Um, and we'll have to, we'll really have to see what that means. Again, it depends on the school, depends on the principal, um, and depends on the teachers. Um, so substantial is a vague word. So we have a problem there with substantial. Let's go to point four there. So and whose school has substantial, there's that word again, written evidence that these individualized student plans have been implemented. Aha, we have, we have fact here for not less than two school years. So you have to have had a support plan for at least two school years and they have to have been monitored and reviewed by the school in collaboration with the parents and guardians and the pupils. So this cannot be given very quickly. Um, it, it, there's two years of school support plans to be done. That's fair enough. It gives us at least something. Um, moving on. And number five, who has been given every reasonable opportunity to participate in the learning of Irish and mainstream classes for as long as possible in keeping with the integrated approach in the primary language curriculum and acknowledging that pupils at a young age adapt and improve over time. Very vague, but fine. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you're going to be teaching it and you have to teach it and I wouldn't give up on a child. Uh, and I think that's fair. Um, to do that and finally and the principal so it comes down to the principal of course is satisfied that the granting of an exemption is the overall best interest of the pupil concerned so effectively the principal has to be satisfied so what you're asking principals to be is the uh, judge jury and executioner of this and that's a really dangerous place for any principal to be in if you are a principal you should be scratching your head wondering why your union has let you take on this responsibility which has a legal standing. If a child comes back as an adult in 15 years time and says, Oi, you gave me an exemption for Irish. I wanted to study Irish. My parents didn't. That's not, my, why did you do it? You know I wanted to study Irish. You've got very shaky ground to be standing on. I mean, I don't know if that's a trite example, but it's an example nonetheless. It's very, you really, really need to have everything, your, your T's crossed and your dots, I's dotted uh, to make sure that you have got everything in place because if you don't, it looks like you are culpable as the principal and don't think anyone's going to back you up here. Um, so, I would be a bit worried about that and I'm very worried that unions didn't uh, seek clarification on how that best should be and refused to allow this to happen unless there were safeguards put in for principals. But as many principals say, the union are not very care, uh, do not care very often much for the principal. Um, but I am not one of those people that says that. I don't think they care for anyone anymore. Uh, but anyway, that's me just being cheeky. Anyway, there is, uh, just to find out, it says, normally this will mean that the pupil will be expected to engage in the study of Irish at least to the end of fifth class. However, in very exceptional circumstances where the principal is satisfied again this comes down to the principle that an exemption is warranted to address the high level of multiple and persistent needs of the pupil and this certifies all of the conditions from points one to six um, it may be granted at an earlier stage but in no case earlier than second class so I mean that's very vague and ultimately I if I was a principal I would be making sure that the parents 
tick millions of boxes to say they understand what they've what they're allowing their child to do. They understand that this is not uh, that they uh, that if they change their mind, it is not the school's responsibility. They understand that the principal is acting on their on their advice and will not be culpable. Blah 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 blah. blah. Um, these are things that you need to put in into your own policy because no one's doing it for you. Um, make sure you are safeguarded and get legal advice if needs be from someone. Maybe the IPPN, this could be something for you guys to do. I know you don't listen to this podcast, but uh, someone who's a member might and they might maybe nudge them in the right direction and sort of say, listen, principals need advice on the Irish exemption because we are culpable. Okay, that is the big one, really, for me. It's the biggest change in the Irish exemption thing. Um, the next one is 2.2.4, which is if you're in a recognised special school or a class or who was previously in a recognised special school or class or who has a recommendation and has been deemed eligible for a place in a recognised special school and or a special class in a mainstream school. So basically, if you're enrolled there or previously enrolled there, you are okay. Or where a pupil has a recommendation has been deemed eligible for a place in a special school or class in a mainstream school, an application for an exemption to the study of Irish can be will be required. Normally, pupils availing of the exemption under both those points, this category should be encouraged to engage with the study of oral Irish language for as long as possible in keeping with the integrated approach of the primary language curriculum and acknowledging that pupils at a young age adapt and improve over time. Same sentence as before. So basically, if they're... Um, uh, you should still teach Irish even if they're exempt, is what I'm hearing. The last uh, one's uh, there, 2.2.5. Uh, basically, if you're a diplomatic or consular representative of another country to Ireland, irrespective of age or educational history, you can be exempt. I don't know too many people falling into that. A lot of them go to the international schools, don't they? Uh, but uh, if you happen to have someone there, then you are good to go. Um so that is it. They are the ones. So there is then stuff about the process. And um, so um, it goes on about uh, what are the procedures. Uh, basically, they have to make a formal written application. And that's on Appendix 3, uh, which I'll read later on. Uh, we'll just remember that. And then the school will give a certificate of exemption from the study of Irish uh, if that is if they're satisfied that they're doing what they have to do. Uh, processing application, um, the school principal on behalf of the board of management, so it's actually the school principal, it's not someone else, um, so you can't actually delegate that. Uh, processes applications received by the school for the certificate of exemption. The formal written application submitted by the parents and guardians must indicate the exceptional circumstances. So the parents have to say what grounds they're going for, so make sure you know that. Uh, so the principal has to ensure the date of receipt is recorded and acknowledge the receipt they have to discuss the application they have to advise of the next steps they have to inform the parents of the implications they have to inform the parents of the application that will be processed within 21 days school days that is and um, they have to explain that the signed certificate of exemption will issue when it's reached uh, we have to inform the parents if we refuse it there is an ex Irish exemptions appeal committee um, which I don't know if anyone's ever gone to um, I'd love to hear from anyone who's gone through that um, explain the to the uh, parents and guardians of the arrangements of people's learning in case in the case of an exemption being granted. So what is the child going to do instead? Um, so that's interesting. They may get learning support at that time or they may be at the back of the classroom on a Chromebook or a laptop or an iPad or whatever doing something else. 
and um, there is a checklist for us to do that and that's great. What are the implications? Uh, well, here are the implications just for those of you who don't know what they are. Irish language requirements for entry to third level courses or programmes of study are at the discretion of the relevant colleges or, or universities. These requirements may be subject to change and it's therefore important that pupils or parents are aware of such requirements. Information on third level entry requirements can be accessed on relevant college or university websites. Um, it's important that parents and guardians and pupils are made aware that Irish is an entry requirement for access to programmes for initial teacher education in primary offered in the four state-funded higher education institutions. That is the implication. That's it. There's no other implications anymore, which is kind of mad. I think the other implication is you can't work for TG Carr, um, but that's, I think, probably about it. Um, if you want to, so if you're refused in the very, very rare um, occasion where you'll be refused, there is an appeals procedure and that's done independently. Um, it basically, it's a, someone's appointed by the minister. They'll act independently from the department, though. This uh, they, It's comprised of an inspector, a psychologist and a principal. Oh, wouldn't you love to just refuse someone to see what it's like? Um, but anyway, I will. Um, they basically decide um, whether that happens. A parent who's unhappy with the outcome of the appeal um, may go to the Ombudsman for children. Um, so there you go. There are other uh, ways around it. Uh, what are the reporting requirements? Uh, you have to do it on a... Uh, basically, we have to put it onto pod. Um, and what are the arrangements for pupils who are exempt from the study of Irish? Schools will have to basically deal with it. That's basically it, really. There's a... It's kind of funny. They have this big, long... Well, it's not very long. A couple of paragraphs. But they basically say, we're not going to give you any resources. Just, just, just cope basically. So um, the answer to that question is just cope. And uh, number seven, we're on page, we're coming to the end here, we're on page 14. What are the arrangements for pupils who don't meet the criteria for an exemption? Well, effectively, they have to study Irish and they can be, if they have any additional needs, they just go through the usual uh, continuum of support. How should information about a pupil's certificate of exemption be shared between schools? Um, it can it basically, um, we give it to the parents and the parents uh, ensure the copy of the pupils is made available to receiving schools. So the school doesn't have to pass it on. Um, however, Often that doesn't happen. So uh, if uh, sometimes uh, schools pass them on to the next school, but generally it is the parent's responsibility. Number nine, what is meant by the recommendation for eligibility for placement in a recognised special school or class? If you don't know the answer to that question, you're a teacher. Um, well, uh, you should, but um, basically... Uh, let's do it. The recommendation for people to be placed in a special school or special class meets the specification for such spe uh, placement. It just says if you get a recommendation from a psychologist. What are the recommended assessment tests? So in fairness, they have some recommended tests. I was given out about them there, but giving us too, too much autonomy. They do have a list of them. I'm not going to read them out to you, but there's quite a few of them uh, that are available. Fair enough. I, I, I take that back. Uh, number 11, if you have any inquiries, they have a phone number. Um, they have actually two phone numbers. I would love to be the person behind that help desk uh, because I'd say it's a very, very cushy job. Uh, number 12, anything on the appeals process? That's another number. It's not the same people. Oh my gosh. So the people dealing with the inquiries on the Irish exemption are based in Dublin. The people about the exemption are based in Athlone. You'd think they might have them in the same building or sure, even the same desk. I'm sure they're both very quiet positions. I might apply for one of those jobs. And then it moves into the appendices, uh, which basically they have a glossary of, of what things mean i'm not going to go through them because um they're not very very they're not useful Um, they do define multiple and persistent needs but actually they don't Um, they really they just essentially give a lot of gobbledygook um 
there's uh, just uh, various things that you probably already know. They give that exemplar of someone who has those multiple and persistent needs and uh, that's fine. Appendix three is the actual form. So I'll read what that wants. It wants the name, date of birth, class and name of school. They, it's the parents who fill the same. We wish to apply for an exemption from the study of Irish on behalf of and that's the child. And then it basically goes through the one, two, three, four, five, six different ways you could be exempt and they want any supporting document uh, documentation and they sign it. That's it. It's a one, two pager. And it's really, really easy. And uh, then basically after that, we have a checklist for the school to say, have you done all these kind of things? In fairness, it's a pretty good checklist um, to make sure that you've gone through all those things. So I would recommend you use it. Uh, just there's um, about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen things uh, that you need to check uh, before. It, it's twelve things and then you can check whether it's granted or not and you give the reasons uh, so that's pretty good and then um, you've got the checklist for processing applications with an exemption of Irish uh, so again it's they've just repeated it actually that's a bit strange uh, that seems to be an error um, in fact they've repeated it a few times that's a bit strange isn't it maybe they're slightly different I don't really see or maybe they're just having a few copies of it in case you don't know how to protocopy um, that's weird um, yeah, there's there's quite a lot of these. Um, I'm just scrolling down. It seems to be the same document over and over and over again. Why do they do that? And then that's it. Yeah. So that is the um, live poetry reading. And um, my own thoughts really is, I think, you know, it's better than the last one, but it's still not good. Uh, this thing about a principal making decisions, big decisions about the future of children's lives without any qualifications to do so I mean I find it very dangerous really that a child on any single day could do a test and not do very well on that one test and then have the course of their life um I guess uh, changed they, well I mean the only thing really I suppose is they can't become a teacher these days or they might not be able to go to a certain university um but I I, you know, even that with an exemption of Irish, you, you can probably get do that loophole to get through it. There's plenty of uh, international students now uh, who don't learn Irish and I'm sure they're allowed into the NUIGs. So ultimately, unless these people want to become teachers, there's, I suppose, the exemption of Irish. The temptation for a lot of parents is to get this exemption if they can and as early as possible. Um, I'm not sure what the post-primary things are like, but I'm sure it's a bit more strenuous because I guess while primary school children will probably try to do well in these tests, post-primary uh, students who don't want to do Irish may deliberately flunk the test. Um, but there are very wily uh, primary school students out there who might deliberately or be told don't answer any of the questions, keep saying I'm stuck, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. You know, there's ways to manipulate these tests and that's another sort of angle. Again, a lot of what's happening in the Irish education system is this reliance on goodwill. And goodwill is fine for about 80% of cases, maybe 90% of cases. But when you when you rely on it, the 10% of problems are the, the ones that we have to watch out for. And again, going back to Drihid, Drihid was one of those things where if you had an underperforming teacher, Drihid, uh, sorry, the inspection model caught most of them, but Drihid doesn't. You could be the worst teacher in Ireland. And if you think you've done enough, you will, you are able to carry on in teaching. And there's no 
There's nothing anyone can do about it. This is the flaw of things like Drihid. It's the flaw of SSE as well because it relies on the goodwill of schools to set targets and then say where they passed or failed them uh, by themselves. And that's okay. I mean, I, I, I you know, it's, it, this is probably a bad example of it. But, you know, you get these schools who don't care. So, and also, to be honest with you, you get every school. I've never heard of a school that's failed their SSE. They haven't achieved their SSE. Again, box ticking exercises tend never to work. The Irish exemption thing, while not quite a box ticking exercise, puts a puts a it is a bit box ticky, and this added section now. I suppose the last circular was fairly straightforward. If you were if you scored low in your literacy scores, you wouldn't get it. This now has a bit of vagueness, and this is where the problems lie. I would absolutely, if I was to do my recommendations, I would number one recommend the INTO refuse to allow principals to make that decision until there is clarity on what they can do. And I would, number two, recommend the IPPM to either create those um, criteria for principals, foolproof uh, criteria that every school uses, because otherwise we are going to have a total mess. There are my two recommendations. I don't mind the Irish exemption. I don't have any strong feelings on granting Irish exemptions. I know the Gwelgori do. I know some parents do. But ultimately, in, for, I suppose once in my life I don't have big strong feelings and opinions on this um, and I think if a child needs an Irish exemption well why not we do need to be talking about the Irish language in Irish schools because that's the bigger conversation rather than these Irish exemptions I think we really need to talk about the Irish language and where we are going with it and what we need to do because it is being abused it is being um, in some places uh, particularly in Gwelskullina where middle class parents have found a pseudo private school very much like the Catholic school system in the UK and we know that is happening we have people that are um, basically um, obviously using these Irish exemption now uh, to be able to uh, stop doing Irish and get a certificate so there's that uh, even if the child doesn't need it um, and we have pro and then we have this whole thing of we're not speaking Irish in this country and um, why are we pumping 14 years of Irish into a society that doesn't is rejecting the language we really are rejecting the language and we, it's not a growing language it is not even our second most spoken language in the country anymore and when the census results come out there I would be surprised if it didn't drop I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't drop from third place to fourth or maybe even fifth place I suspect French is more widely spoken in, uh, than Irish in Ireland today and that is very worrisome indeed if we want the Irish language to survive and I don't know if there's a lot of appetite for it to happen I think the uh, white middle class parents who send their children to Gwelskullina wanted for very different reasons than people who send than the people who uh, send their people, uh, children to Gwelskullina because they're passionate about the Irish language and love the Irish language and both of those are uh, are in that school and I think if it was only restricted to uh, people who loved the Irish language there would be far smaller schools and we know that and there's no point in denying it because you just go to your local school and you'll see them in their baseball caps and lycra uh, leggings and there's lanyards around them and all the rest of it uh, and at the side of the GAA pitch uh, saying things that no GAA no respectable respectable GAA person would have said 15-20 years ago and um, there you go um, that's me ranting uh, so back uh, so that is really uh, the live poetry reading done and dusted uh, I um, don't think I have anything more to say so I'll leave it there so there you have it um, 
Live poetry readings, I hope you enjoyed it. For over 40 minutes on this, I didn't think I'd get 15 minutes out of it when I started, but I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening. Um, if you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, you can find it on any of your favourite podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the rest of the gang. And uh, if you've liked this episode, please review it. Give it five stars so other people can find it more easily. Thanks again for listening. All the very best. Goodbye. Goodbye.